Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And I'd like to welcome back to the show NFL draft expert Joe DeLeon, who hosts the NFL Draft Prospects podcast with Ryan Roberts. And it's great to have you back, Joe. And thanks for being kind enough to give us a little of your time. Of course. Yeah, I, I was just saying to you that this this is a little bit of a, a calmer week than last week, but it, it's still fun to, to talk about these prospects. Now that we know where they're going, there's a lot uh, less uh, complications with trying to guess these guys. It's, it's a lot less projection. And we can actually talk about how these players will fit on these rosters and some of the expectations we could have for them early on in their careers. Yeah, I'm so confident. I've got the Super Bowl uh, Texans uh, banner in front of the stadium behind me in that photo. This that's from many years ago, but uh, yeah, not that confident really. But um, <laughs> when we did this a couple of months ago, Joe, you thought the Texans had to draft Thibodeau if he was available. You were very high on Kyle Hamilton. They actually had two chances at Kyle. They had a chance at Thibodeau, didn't do it. What did you think about Derek Stingley? Yeah, no, I, I don't think that this was a bad pick. I was legitimately not shocked, but not expecting him to be the first corner off the board. Based on what we got from him this this past season where he played a limited number of games, it ended short because of an injury, the inconsistent play where he had that amazing 2019 year, and then a bit of trouble staying on the field, and then also not playing at that same level as his first season for the remaining parts of his career at LSU. I was expecting that teams, based on how they usually react to stuff like that, that they might hold off on a guy like Derek Stingley. I thought that if anyone was going to tumble, it was going to be Derek Stingley and not Andrew Booth Jr. But here we are. We have Stingley slotting at three, and I think that he fits perfectly with this with this Texans defense. He is a very, very athletic corner. He's got great length. And I think if you can tap into what he did early on in his career, which is still there, it's not like he suffered some crazy injury like Justin Ross did that is going to prevent him from getting back to where he was. It was just a foot injury. He was dealing with a foot injury and he was dealing with coaching issues and, and a transition away from Ed Ogeron, and a lot of different circumstances that he couldn't really control. So all that stuff, you know, putting that behind him, I think that we can tap into his full potential and see what the Texans can get out of him. Did you have a preference between him and Sauce? I like Derek Stingley better than I like Sauce Gardner, but I just thought because Sauce Gardner had less question marks about him, he was going to be that first corner taken just because of the circumstances, because th there weren't any question marks about Sauce Gardner. We, we knew that he was available. He was fully healthy. He was dominant last year, albeit against lesser competition. Um, but I, I think it's like a 1A, 1B situation. If you think that you can get what you got or what Derek Stingley did early on in his career, if you think you can get that out of him, it's going to be a great pick. I'd like to go through the first few picks and just get your quick reaction from each before we get your big picture thoughts on the Texans draft. And Kenyon Green, they decide to trade down. They grab Kenyon Green with that pick a couple, a couple picks lower than they had. What did you think of him? Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan of Kenyon Green, and there was some possibility that that he was going to slide. There was potential of him having some medicals issues in, in his medical rechecks, uh, but he ended up being completely fine, apparently, for him to get selected 15th overall. 
I was really high on him at the beginning of the cycle. I was even high on him before during last cycle when I was watching some Alabama tape and he caught my attention. I was like, who, who is this interior offensive lineman? Because he is mauling people. He's got that positional versatility. He can play tackle if they want to ask him to. He's probably better off playing guard, but he has the experience playing tackle this past year for Texas A&M. What you're going to get out of him is a very uh, aggressive, uh, very strong run-blocking interior offensive lineman. And I also really did feel that the Texans needed to address offensive line at some point early on in this draft. And to get the best available interior offensive lineman in Kenyon Green, I think is a total slam dunk for this team. Yeah, I pointed out to our Twitter followers that the last two times a Houston NFL team picked a guard was almost 40 years ago. And back to back, the Oilers picked a couple of guys named Mike Munchak and Bruce Matthews. <laughs> uh, it went pretty well with those two guys. Uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, those guys are okay. <laughs> uh, Kyle Hamilton was the number one safety on your board. Most boards. Uh, Jalen Petrie was who they chose in the second round. Is there a huge difference between those two guys? And did you like that pick? Yeah, I, I think it's, it goes without saying that there is a huge difference. Uh, I firmly thought that Kyle Hamilton was not only the best safety in this class, but he was the best prospect in this class. Just a unique physical build at six foot four, two twenty five. Him landing in Baltimore, by the way, is is completely scary. But that's a complete separate issue to see what he's going to become with the Baltimore Ravens. Petrie, though, is great, and I think he was selected at a good spot that made a lot of sense for him, uh, being selected at that fifth pick in the second round. I think that they picked him before Jaquan Brisker, if I remember off the top of my head. But I think with what they're looking for in a safety, he, he makes a lot of sense, especially with Dax Hill and Lewis Seen already being selected ahead of him. Petrie was somebody who was rising throughout the cycle at the Combine and the Senior Bowl. So I think this is a really strong pick. And it's kind of funny that we're, we saw a lot of these selections that the, the Texans decided to go with guys that played at relatively local schools or, or schools that are in Texas. And, and that's always going to be a nice culture fit for a guy like that. Next, they picked John Mechie. And, and, and this is, it feels like a very Nick Casario move because he was with the Patriots for all those years with Belichick and they put a lot of emphasis on the slot receiver. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm so shocked that their next two picks were, were Alabama players. And of course, uh, <laughs> so I like I did all of these these radio hits leading up to it. And a lot of Raiders ones coincidentally, and they were asking me about their new GM and like what to expect, what kind of guys are going to draft. I, I should have been saying that they're just going to draft a bunch of Alabama players because that's that's what we get with all these disciples. And what Bill Belichick loves to do is draft Alabama players. There's value in selecting guys that come from good good programs with a, with an elite coach like Nick Saban, who has developed high character guys that are going to show up and work. Now, John Mechie to me, I I didn't have him as one of my highest receivers. I, I thought that George Pickens and Christian Watson, who ended up, I think getting selected before him were better options, but he's still a, a good, strong receiver recovering from the injury that he suffered at the end of the season is going to be priority one and making sure that he's, back at full strength because dealing with the injury that he dealt with um, obviously takes some time to get back to that, that full speed, but he's a good possession receiver. He's an underrated athlete. I don't think we should expect him to be a 1500 yard receiver, but he could provide nice value 
uh, you know, as an eventual wide receiver two or wide receiver three, once they build out the rest of this, this receiver group. It feels like a safety blanket for Davis Mills, your young quarterback right. that you're trying to really help out as much as possible, right? Yeah, you, you want to add, and, and that's why I like a lot, a lot of these picks and the approach for these picks that the Texans had. You've got a young quarterback and you're trying to get as much out of him as possible. So what you do is you draft an offensive lineman early. You draft a receiver pretty early as well. You want to protect him. You want to give him options. And I think that that safety blanket description is a really good way of describing him. And that's what he can be once he's back on the field and and fully healthy. From the projections that I saw, it sounds like Christian Harris, the next pick was probably the biggest reach of the Texans draft choices. What did you think about that? Yeah, reach is uh, frankly an understatement for for me. Um, I'm not a fan of Christian Harris. And the past couple guys, these linebackers, from Alabama have been a bit underwhelming because they're really highly rated recruits. And at the beginning of the cycle, we're always going to hype up the Alabama defenders. There's more value in the defensive linemen than there are in these linebackers. And the problems that we saw with Dylan Moses, similar to the issues that we see with Christian Harris, Christian Harris, good athlete. They're a decent athlete for a linebacker moves well, but I just don't see that, that processing ability. I don't see that quick trigger that, um, the ability to understand everything that's going on in front of him at a quick pace and then attack the football, know where he needs to go. He always feels like a second behind. And that's something that if you don't have that as a linebacker, it really doesn't click after a period of time. Like if you have the athleticism and you can move, sometimes these guys just don't catch up to that. And you would hope that he can figure out and process quicker but more often than not, it just, it usually doesn't work out. It's kind of like what we see with quarterbacks where yes, you can get smarter. Yes. You can improve your knowledge of the game and yes, you can slow down the speed of the game around you. But if you just don't have that instinct and it shows up on tape, it's not going to show up three to four years into their career. And that that's what worries me a little bit about Christian Harris. One of the things that we said on the podcast is Levy and Casario seem to be pretty connected on a lot of this stuff. and Levy. Uh, very much involved from what we can tell and lovey knows defense and there was a big bro hug after uh that pick between casario and lovey smith so take it for what it's worth joe but i just <laughs> i'll point that out with with that choice right. uh, he was probably the least popular by draft experts uh of the picks the most popular damian pierce w- what did you think of that yeah damian pierce is a really underrated running back in this class he is a tough dude. There's that clip of him losing his helmet and then still charging ahead to to try and pick up more yards after he lost his helmet. Now, you legally can't do that, and there was a, a whistle blown for that, but still, you're getting a really tough kid who provides value as a blocker. He provides value as a receiver, and all of the things that he can do, do that versatility uh, is going to be an asset for this this Texans running back room I love the pick. I know that there are uh, some some shuffling that needs to to go down with that with that Texans running back room with all the different guys that they've brought in over the past couple of years. I know that it's thinned out a little bit since last season, but I think Damian Pierce, you give him a little bit of time, maybe a year or so, and he could he could really carve out a nice role on this team. Yeah, that's somebody that they really could use a hit there because the the running back core has been pretty pathetic over the last yeah. few years. Uh, th- the next three picks. Instead of asking you about them individually, 
to me, there's there's nothing tremendously exciting about him. Uh, Thomas Booker, uh, Tegan Kitariano, I hope I got his name right, and Austin <laughs> DeCulis. Are any of those guys guys that we should be excited about, or what did you think of those three? Yeah, I actually love Thomas Booker. I, I think he is potentially a sleeper in this in this class as a, as a defensive lineman uh, coming out of Stanford. I mean, he's he's got good size. He's got underrated athleticism. I, I think if you can tap into that, he could end up becoming a, a high quality starter for this Texans defensive line. That that out of the the three that you just mentioned, that Thomas Booker pick, uh, I think was was very very underrated, and I think more people should be talking about the other two guys though. I I you know they're they're decent picks, probably more for depth, but uh, I'm more excited about that that Booker selection out of anything. Tegan kind of made me laugh because the Texans have made it now a yearly thing with the tight end. This is five and five years for them. <laughs> yeah. You never know what you get, you get out of a guy like that, but it's, I, I yeah, I, I totally understand that. Just keep adding more and more tight ends and maybe one of them sticks and does something. Yeah. We're still waiting for that. But I mean, I, I, <laughs> actually last year we thought Brevin Jordan showed some flashes uh, when he got right. his chance about, you know, several games into the season, they really got his feet wet. Was there anything you gleaned from Casario's philosophy after watching him in this draft? And now you, we've got a couple of drafts. I mean, last year didn't get a whole lot of picks. This year you saw him with more picks. You know, the big thing for this draft for a lot of us was SEC, SEC, SEC. I mean, it was just they kept coming at us. Yeah, the the one thing I feel like we we take away from how Casario is is building this roster it feels like his approach is that he he wants to get good football players. He wants to get guys that he can build, have building blocks at each position group. And like last year, them drafting Davis Mills uh, and, and Nico Collins, like those are, those are high upside players. Same thing with Brevin Jordan. Those are all high upside players. Those are guys that maybe they don't hit right now, but you give them a little bit of time and they can, they can turn into something. That was what was talked about with all those guys. And I think you're getting a little bit of that with this class as well, particularly with, with Derek Stingley and, and Damian Pierce and, and Thomas Booker. There's a lot of trying to tap into that potential, which is a little bit different than what we get with, with Belichick, but it's, it's trying to find good football players with high upside wherever you can find them throughout this draft. And they're on the right track. I know they didn't have a lot of picks last year. This year makes it a lot better. Um, if Davis Mills hits this, this team is on a nice track building at key position groups that need depth, need young players to fill those groups out. Was there a player that you're just dumbfounded that the Texans didn't grab at, at some point um, besides uh, the guys we talked about off the top right. that you really liked? Well, I, I mean, I was going to, I was going to immediately push to uh, them not selecting Kyle Hamilton. I, I wasn't dumbfounded more so disappointed. Um, you mentioned how they traded out of that, that second pick that they had in the first round and to not take a flyer on Kyle Hamilton, I, I think was a little bit odd. And it seems like the, the approach was if we're going to go secondary early, we can't double dip in, at secondary. We want to draft an offensive lineman um, that worked out for them. I just, I think that passing up on Kyle Hamilton, a lot of teams are, are going to be, regretting not taking that chance, not taking that shot to, uh, to select Kyle Hamilton where he was. I mean, separate from that though, I mean, they got, they got good value with, with most of their picks. I I thought that, and I I did check that they, 
they did pass on Jaquan Brisker. I probably would have gone Brisker over Jalen Petrie, but it's not a, that's still not a bad pick. Um, additionally, John Mechie, who I talked about, I, I think is a decent selection, but to pass up on George Pickens, who I think is a lot more upside, has a lot more potential, very, very explosive, has some attitude issues. I think passing up on him, him and going for John Mechie, that was one of those picks where I was kind of questioning to myself, okay, wh- why would you go with Mechie when you had someone as talented as Pickens on the board? How do you compare their draft to the other teams in the AFC South? How did you like their draft compared to say the Colts or the Jags or, or the Titans? I think compar- comparably they, they probably had the best draft off the top of my head amongst the rest of the, the AFC South teams because the, the Jaguars draft approach, I don't really fully understand what they're going for. Uh, I didn't like the Trayvon Walker first overall pick. I thought that that should have been Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. I also was hearing that apparently they might try to use him as a stand-up rusher, and Trayvon Walker is not a stand-up rusher. He is a big dude, and I don't think that he is going to be utilized properly uh, by the Jaguars' defense. I'm really, really worried about that. And It was a very heavy defensive approach, not much of an effort to protect and provide Trevor Lawrence with a whole lot. So that was a big drawback for me with the Jaguars. The Titans trading away A.J. Brown, obviously that that benefits now the Texans that you don't have to defend A.J. Brown. Getting rid of Brown to bring in a younger version of him, as everyone was saying with Traylon Burks, is a head-scratcher because A.J. Brown is pretty young. They just didn't want to have to pay him. But it's nice that they get Malik Willis. I wouldn't be shocked in two to three years if Malik Willis takes over that starting job. Or we never see him take a single snap at at quarterback for for the Titans. But that's something to look out for for Texans fans is having to face Malik Willis, who has tremendous uh, potential and upside as a quarterback. And then lastly, uh, the Colts. I I really was a bit underwhelmed by the the Colts draft. They reached, frankly, on a lot of their picks. Like Alec Pierce, where they selected him was really early. Jelani Woods, where they selected him in round three was really early. I'm not a fan of Bernard Raymond as a prospect because he's older. Uh, I just didn't really get that for me. And then the other thing, too, they drafted Andrew Ogletree, a, a Youngstown State tight end. And, and I'm an FCS guy. I love FCS prospects. But, like, I, I had no idea who like that he was even a draftable prospect. I didn't have any notes on him because he probably shouldn't have been a draftable prospect. He's big, he's slow, and he can't move very well. So a lot of those other drafts, there's positives for some of these teams. A lot of negatives. I'm more of a fan of what the Texans did because they attacked the needs that they needed to address. Yeah, we're not going to complain that the other teams are stumbling. Did you have a favorite draft (laughs) among the other, uh, I guess, all 32? Did you have a favorite draft among the the 32 teams? Yeah, my favorite group, the, the Ravens are up there, but what the Kansas City Chiefs did has to be, um, has to be acknowledged. They are are playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. It, it felt like there were a lot of picks throughout this draft that teams were overthinking things. They were, they were trying to play upside or they were passing on certain guys that shouldn't have been passed on. And the chiefs just kind of sat where they were for most of this draft and allowed right, the right players to, to fall into their lap. They get George Karloftis, they get Trent McDuffie early on in the first round who fits, they both fit major needs at corner, uh, at edge rusher. Sky Moore, the Western Michigan receiver, 
is exactly what they, they look for in receivers. And to draft him in round two is, is tremendous value for him. He's fast. He's small. He's going to be a deep threat. They just lost Tyreek Hill. He's not going to be Tyreek Hill, but he's that type of a receiver that you can use him as a deep threat in this receiver group. But the other ones that, that really were just so surprising to me, Leo Chanel falling as far as he did, the Wisconsin linebacker who is a freakish athlete and needs to get more recognition for how much of a good athlete he is. Putting him into a linebacker group that already has Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, a lot of speed and quickness in that group, that is a scary, scary linebacker group that they now have. Not to mention that they also were able to get Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State, who tall, long corner, really, really good athlete, is going to lock guys down in a lot of these games. And then the last one, Darian Kennard was somebody who people said was a first round pick. And here he is falling all the, all the way in the, uh, I think it was the, yeah, it was the fifth round that he fell as far as he did. Darian Kennard, the, the, the tackle from Kentucky. So kind of like last year, they allow people to fall into their lap and they're going to be really high quality starters. All of those guys, I think have the potential to be high quality starters. And the chiefs also just acquired Lonnie Johnson from the Houston Texans, who, <laughs> uh, as you might remember, Joe, just a couple of years ago, GM Bill O'Brien uh, picked him in the second round, and he is already a casualty of Casario, and they got a seventh-round pick for him, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, Lonnie Johnson uh, you know, probably didn't play up to the potential that Texans fans were hoping for, but that that Chiefs defense has been so effectively reworked. You have a lot of teams that their approach to fixing rosters this offseason was trading picks, players, whatever they could to, to add, add players, especially in, in their division. And the Chiefs decided to say, you know what? We're going to part ways. We're going to go cheap because we have a, a big quarterback contract on the books and some other big contracts that are affecting their, their salary cap. And not only are they going young, but they're getting really effective young players that are going to continue to step in and start. And Spagnolo and Andy Reid are going to find ways to activate these players like we saw they did last year. And they also got Justin Reed off the uh, free agent wire from the Texans as well, who was a third round pick a few years ago. Kansas City Texans over here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see uh, what they do with all this. It'd be interesting to see if those guys turn a corner after. I mean, Reed is mostly injuries, but if Lonnie Johnson can turn a corner or what's going to happen there uh, before I let you go, remind people where they can find you and, and how they can find you. Yeah. You can find me at Joe DeLeon on Twitter. Uh, be sure to check out our show, the NFL prospects pod at NFL prospects pod on Twitter. And then our YouTube channel, which features the NFL prospects pod and the FCS football pod and some just general college football discussion hack city on uh, YouTube. Be sure to check that out and hit subscribe. We are hoping that you're wrong about Kyle Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're we're going to dream big things for Kenyon Green, and God knows they could use some offensive line help. So uh, thanks so much for doing this, Joe. Always fun to catch up with you. Of course. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.